Hello, Cathedral. It's great to see everybody. Oh, are you ready to roar, Cathedral? Oh, let me ask you one more time. Are you ready to roar, Cathedral? Uh, this theme for the year is courageous, and we've been looking at one of the most courageous people that you'll find in the Bible, a man by the name of Daniel. And if you look at his book, it's really split in two. In the first half of Daniel, you find all of the stories. And next week, as we wrap up the series, we're going to look at the most famous story from his life. But then the last half of the book, you find a series of visions about the future. For example, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a vision about future empires. He sees the present empire, Babylon. It's like a lion with wings. And then he sees the coming Persian empire. And then he sees, after that, the Greek empire. And then after that, he sees the Roman Empire, 500 years before it shows up, Daniel has a vision of the future. And then he sees the greatest kingdom of all, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That Jesus shows up. Yeah, let's give God praise. Amen. Jesus shows up and he inaugurates that kingdom 2,000 years ago. And one day Jesus will return and that kingdom will be consummated. And Daniel speaks about it. He writes about what he saw this way. He says, in my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man. Say that with me. A son of man. A coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. It sounds like the cathedral of faith. Amen. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never, ever be destroyed. If you belong to Jesus and his kingdom, your future is eternally secure. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, if those words in Daniel sound kind of familiar, it's because Jesus often used that phrase. More than any other phrase, he used son of man when he was talking about himself. In one place, he talks about his return this way. He says, and they will see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. This is where history is headed. Anybody looking forward to that day? Daniel has a vision about the ultimate 
future, a better future, a brighter future. And for the next few moments, here's what I'd like you to think about. I want you to think about your future, having vision for a better future, a brighter future for you. In fact, I'm going to invite everybody to stand, if you would, stand up with me for just a moment, because I want us to read a verse out loud together and fill this place with the Word of God. Begin to own this verse for you, believe it for you, declare it for you today. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it says, let's say it out loud together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Can we read that one more time? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Can we give God praise for his word? <laughs> Hallelujah. A hope and a future. You know, who wants a future if you don't have any hope? And, you know, if, if you don't have a future, how can you have any hope? And in God, we find someone who gives us both a hope and a future. 2020 vision for 2020. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing church family. I'm so humbled to be able to serve in this amazing place. Thank you for our online campus. Thank you for all the different spaces on our campus. Thank you for the campuses all around the Bay Area. Thank you for guests and friends, family that's here with us today. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. That whether we're in our 20s or whether we're in our 80s, God, you can take the word for today, bring it right into the now, and speak to each one of us. Let us hear what we need to hear so that our lives can be transformed, and this week will be different. We ask you this in the name of Jesus and for his glory, and all God's people said, amen. amen. One more time, can we give God praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I'm kind of excited today. 2020 for 2020. Say that with me. 2020 for 2020. In fact, let this be a statement of faith for you. It may be a big statement of faith, but look at somebody and tell them, I have 2020 vision. Go ahead and do that before you're seated. I have 2020 vision. Really? 2020 for 2020. Why don't you get a hold of this today? This message is burning in my heart. I heard about this guy. He was looking in the mirror, and he was so depressed. He just so depressed. He looked in the mirror, and he said, oh, honey, he said, I'm losing all my hair. You know, I've gained a couple chins. 
you know, my wrinkles are deep and my muscles are sagging. I have furniture disease. My chest has fallen into my drawers. I am so depressed. Can you give me a compliment? And his wife said, sure, honey. At least you still have your eyesight. Got that going for you. I went to see the eye doctor this week, and it was eye-opening. And, boy, I took off my glasses, and whoa, things went really blurry. In fact, more than me telling you about it, with a little help from our cameraman, Joseph. How about a big hand for Joseph? He does such a great job. We've been doing this a long time together. So when I took off my glasses, let me show you what I see without my glasses. And if you can help me out, here we go. This is what you look like without my glasses. It's blurry. And then if I use somebody else's glasses, oh, I mean, Pastor Rick, could I borrow your glasses, Pastor Rick? All right. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Wow, these are some cool glasses. All right. And so if I borrow someone else's glasses and I put them on and I look at that same group of people, it gets really bizarre. I mean, just really bizarre really bizarre. I don't want to wear somebody else's glasses. Thank you, Pastor Rick. And so what I've learned is I need to have on the right glasses so I can see clearly. Would you look at that good-looking group of people? How about a big hand for our pastoral team? They're awesome. That right there is the message. God wants to give us our own set of glasses. He doesn't want you trying to fit into this person's vision or that person's vision. He wants you to put on glasses that are a right fit for you. 2020 for your 2020. A better future, a brighter future. If we were having coffee after church, and I said, what would that really look like for you? What would a better future or a brighter future look like for you? Is it to get out of debt and take back your financial freedom? Is it to find a job that's more satisfying and challenging? Is it to shift the way you eat to reduce your risk for diabetes? Is it to conquer a habit that has enslaved you for a very, very long time? Is it to find more authentic joy in your marriage? Is it to develop more than just a Facebook friendship? Is it to hear and recognize the voice of God even better? A better future, a brighter future. 
What would that look like for you? Before you see it out here, you got to see it in here. There is a lady, when she was just a young girl, she grew up in the South when things were still segregated. But her parents taught her that in spite of the injustice, she didn't have to be a victim, she could be victorious. And so they taught her to dream, inspired her to dream. One day they're visiting Washington, D.C., and they're standing in front of the White House, and a photographer asks if he can take a picture, and they say, sure, and so the little girl gets her picture taken. She's nine years old. That's the same age as my grandson, Eli, nine years old. And after, after she gets her picture taken, she looks at her parents and looks at the photographer and says, one day, I'm going to be in that White House. And do you know, one day, she was. Condoleezza Rice became the first female African-American Secretary of State in our country. She's an awesome, awesome lady and a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? But before she saw it out here, she saw it in here. The book, The Leadership Challenge, it says this. It says, every organization, every social movement begins with a dream. The dream or vision is the force that invents the future, a better future, a brighter future. In the book of Acts, it talks about the last days. That's what we're a part of, the last days. And it says, in the last days, your young people will see visions, and your old people, I'm glad I'm included, will dream dreams. As we move into the new year and the new decade, God give us 2020 for 2020. Well, there are so many benefits of having a vision for your future. So many benefits. You know, there's a, a book, uh, Bible verse in Proverbs that really talks the downside of having no vision. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. On the flip side, when you have a vision, it puts more pep in your step. I love the picture of this guy right here. This guy has more pep in his step. And when you have a compelling vision in your heart, it gives you more energy, more enthusiasm, more joy in the day. And for someone here this weekend, looking at that guy, well, you'd love to have more pep in your step because right now you go through the day like this, kind of sleepwalking your way through the day, sleepwalking your way to the kitchen, to the car, to work, through work, back home, sleepwalking your way to church, 
Of course, nobody sleeps in church. Can somebody say amen to that? But you're just bored. You really are. It's hard to get up in the morning when you don't have a reason to get up in the morning. But when you have a compelling vision in your heart, the energy, the enthusiasm, the joy, you know where you're headed. You know where you're going. Where there is no vision, people perish. But where there is vision, what it does is it takes activity and turns it into productivity. Now, you know I'm not a big cat person, but I did find a video of these cats that I was impressed with. They were running in this wheel right here, and you can see they're really going, a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, but the cats, bless their hearts, they're not getting anywhere. And well, someone this weekend may look at that and says, that is a picture of my life right now. Because I'm very busy. I've never met anybody in our valley, in the Silicon Valley, that said to me, oh, Ken, I got all kinds of time on my hand. Everybody is busy. You may be busy doing nothing, but you're still busy. <laughs> Everybody is busy. And yet, you're running and you're running, and you're running, and you don't seem to be getting anywhere. And what vision does is it harnesses our activity and brings focus to it. And our activity turns into productivity. And we do more and achieve more. An entrepreneur, Mary Kay, she once made this statement. She said, an average person with average talents and ambition and average education can outstrip the most brilliant genius in our society if that person has clear, focused goals. Where there is no vision, people perish. But when you've got a vision, it intercepts the law of entropy. Now, the law of entropy, it's a scientific law that goes something like this. That left on its own, everything will have a tendency to deteriorate. Now, you don't have to be a scientist to understand it. Just look at your backyard. You know, if for my backyard to deteriorate it, I don't have to poison it. I just have to leave it alone. Neglect it. Don't give any attention to it. And it could be bad all by itself. It can grow weeds and it can turn brown. And the same thing is true, well, in so many areas of life. You don't have to poison a friendship. You don't have to poison your soul. You don't have to poison your talents for them to go bad. Just leave them alone. Neglect them. Don't give them any attention. And they will deteriorate all by themselves. But when you have vision, it gives the attention you need to overcome the law of entropy so that not only are you surviving, instead, you are thriving. Can we give God praise for the power of vision in our lives? Amen. 2020, say that with me. 2020, a better future, a brighter future. 
What would that look like for you? Whether you're in your 20s or in your 80s, God has something to say to you today. Well, if there's so much benefit to vision, how do you improve it? In this season of my life, how do I improve my vision? And to me, it all goes back to the God who made us. That God knows us, he made us, he has a plan for us. And the best thing we can do, we read it in Romans chapter 12. It says, offer yourselves, say that with me, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then, say that with me, then, say it again, then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect for you. Yeah, what a powerful promise. You will know this when you do this. And so the best way to improve your vision, wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, let it start with me. The best way to improve my vision is to offer myself, all of me, to God as a living sacrifice and dedicate myself to his purpose to bring the year 2020 and offer it to him, to bring the decade, our roaring 20s, and to bring it to him. And in the process of that, God helps me to see. It may be while I'm praying. It may be while I'm reading my Bible. It may be through the friends that he's put into my life. It may be through the way he has wired me and gifted me. It may be the church that he has placed you in. It may be the brokenness that is around you. However God does it, when we offer ourselves to God, God will help us to see. Fred, Frederick Buechner, who is a, a great pastor theologian, he once said this, he said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Let me read that again. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger, when they come together, that's 2020. When we start with God, God can help us to see more than we could ever see on our own. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Gideon, and Gideon, this guy was a coward. I mean, when the enemy would show up to ransack the town, instead of standing and fight, he would run away and hide. He was a coward. And so one time he's hiding. He's hiding underground. He's hiding underground in a wine press. And while he's hiding, an angel shows up. And look at what the angel says to Gideon. 
the angel of the Lord appeared and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. What's wrong with that picture? He's hiding from the enemy as a coward, and the angel greets him, O mighty man of valor. Can you imagine the back and forth they had at that moment? Excuse me, I think I heard you wrong. I, 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 thought, I thought you said, mighty man of valor. And the angel says, that's exactly what I said. Your hearing is fine. And Gideon says, oh, oh, you must have the wrong address. And the angel says, no, no, I use Google Maps. Got the right place. When Gideon looked at his life, all that he saw was where he was. And he was a coward. But when God looked at Gideon, he saw more than that. When God looks at you, he sees more than you see. He saw a coward who could become courageous. And by calling him that name, he wants Gideon to see mighty man of valor. You may be a coward, but you will be courageous. You may be a coward, but you will be courageous. Uh, the author, the great author Richard Foster, he says, God has to help us let go of our tiny vision in order to release the greater good he has in store for us. I'm going to invite you to do something with me if you're comfortable doing it. You know, just uh, if you'll hold your hands out here. Just like this. God has to help us let go. Just let go. Let go of the tiny vision so we can experience the greater good that God has for us. Let it go. Let go. Say that with me. Let go of the little stuff so we can take hold of the great stuff. That's what God has for us. Amen. Oh. 2020. Can you sense it rising in your spirit? 2020. Say it with me. 2020. Now, once you get this vision, I, I've got I've to prep you because you have to be ready to protect it, to guard it. You really do. You have to guard your vision. Because at some point, someone's going to try to take it away. They really are. When I was a kid, I watched this very strange show. It was called The Three Stooges. Did anybody watch that as a kid? All right. So now you know why I need therapy, right? And so The Three Stooges, I mean, it was just crazy fun, just reckless fun. And... Um, they used to do this thing where one of the characters, Mo, he loved to go to the other two guys, and he would take his fingers, and he would poke them in the eyes. He would just do that. But then the other two guys, they learned. And so when Mo would go to poke them in the eyes, what would he do? Boy, some of you watch that show too. <laughs> they would do this. And his fingers couldn't reach them. Now, I got to tell you, 
I took self-defense when my kids were younger, but the best self-defense I have ever learned, the best move was right here from the Three Stooges. Can you believe that? I went to the Cathedral of Faith, and the pastor was talking about the Three Stooges right here. In fact, I'm going to invite you, just do this right here one time, okay? Because at some point, at some point, I promise you, at some point, someone's going to come up and try to poke you in the eyes and put out your vision. You have a spiritual enemy. Jesus said you have a spiritual enemy. The Bible says there is a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants to do that to your vision. To steal it, to kill it, to destroy it. Because the enemy knows if he can keep you from seeing a better future, he can keep you from having a better future. I want to say that again. If he can keep you from seeing a better future, he can keep you from having a better future. But thanks be to God, there is one greater than the enemy, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus can enable us to guard our vision and to protect our vision. To practice that self-defense move when we need to. I, I love Steve Harvey. He's one of my favorite entertainers. And everywhere you look, you see him on television. And did you know that as a kid, one time in elementary school, he was asked to write a paper. What do you want to be when you grow up? And he wrote that he wanted to be on television. Even though he had a horrible case of stuttering. He wanted to be on television. Well, he handed in the paper, and, well, the teacher called him up to the front of the class, and she, he was all excited. He thought, oh, man, I must have the best paper. She's calling me up. But she called him up not to applaud him. She called him up to shame him. The teacher wasn't a dream releaser. The teacher was a dream stealer. And Steve had to learn to protect that vision Listen to the way he tells the story. I thought this woman was going to give me a gold star because I figured nobody else in the class had wrote I want to be on TV but me. So mine must be the best answer of all of them. So I'm standing up there and that lady started in on me. She didn't call me up there to give me no gold star. She called me to the front to humiliate me. And that lady did me. She said, why did you put something like this on your paper? Now, you've called me to the front. You know I have a stuttering problem. You know I can't talk. So she started, why did you write this on your paper? Who in your family ever been on TV? Who in this school ever been on TV? Who in this neighborhood has ever been on television? She said, why would you write something like that on your paper? And look at you standing there, you can't even talk. I was crushed. Why would you write that on your paper? You can't even talk. This is a teacher. 
You're supposed to be shaping and molding my mind. We pay you to educate. Why would you write something like that on your paper? You will never be on TV. Every Christmas, I send her a flat screen TV. Because I don't want her to miss me. I wanted her to see what God had done for me. Look at what the Lord has done. <laughs> Protect your vision. Guard your vision. When God gives you a vision, 2020, say that with me, 2020. So as we wrap things up this weekend, let me ask you a question. Are you ready to turn the corner? There is a Bible verse. It's one of my favorites. An 80-year-old man who had been promised some land. I love what he says in that moment. He says, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Give me this mountain. Say that with me. Give me this mountain. After Christmas, my wife and I got away with uh, our family and grandkids. We rented one of those Airbnbs. And uh, down around the Palm Springs area, we'd never done that Airbnb thing, and we had a lot of fun. And one of the days, my wife and I, we decided to go hiking together. And, uh, you know, my wife, she loves me so much, she will patiently watch football with me. And I love her so much, I will patiently sort of watch the Hallmark Channel with her. Somebody help me. <laughs> but every once in a while, we try to find a double win, something we both enjoy. And so we both like to hike. So what we did is we found a trail, and it wasn't one of those trails that, well, that was flat. I mean, why stay on the ground when you can climb to higher heights? So we headed up the trail, and it was one of those trails that it was crazy. It, it would get narrow, and you'd think you'd get up, and you'd think you're at the top of the trail, and then you'd turn the corner, and you would see, well, that's not the end. There's more hill to climb. And then you'd climb up, and you'd turn the corner, and you'd see, oh, there's still more hill to climb. And then you'd keep climbing, and keep turning, keep climbing, and keep turning, until eventually we reached the top. What a view. It was off the charts. The view from the top. I want to ask you a question. As we move into this new year, are you ready to turn that corner? What is the hill that God has for you to climb? What is the hill that God has for you to take? Give me that now. When I talk about turning the corner, some of you right now, you are chomping at the bit because frankly, you've been tired of the view that you've had. 
And you can't wait to turn the corner. You're excited about it. You're enthused about it. You're saying, let's go, Pastor Ken. Give me that mountain. But there's another group that the idea of turning that corner and climbing that mountain, oh, my. It's a whole lot easier to turn around than it is to turn the corner, to turn around and head back to where you came from. That's a whole lot easier. But God didn't call us to live an easy life. God called us to live a great life. And God brought you here today so I could give you a pastoral nudge. Turn the corner. Climb that mountain. God's not through with you yet. Give me that mountain. Say that with me. Give me that mountain. You know, there was something really strange that happened to me. And I usually don't talk about this kind of stuff in public. So this is a little bit on the edge for me. But my wife was taking pictures. She loves taking pictures. And so I just kept walking. <laughs> and I walked up and I turned a corner, walked up, turned another corner. And when I turned one of those corners... I just had this extremely powerful God moment. I don't know how to describe it or explain it. I'm not even sure what it completely means. But God gave me a nudge and dropped a phrase in my spirit. And as I turned that corner, it was God saying, Ken, this is the year. You're turning the corner. There's a mountain for you to climb. Get ready. This is the year. The Cathedral of Faith, you're turning the corner. There's a new hill for you to climb. Give me that mountain. And as I sensed that, God was speaking so clearly to me. He dropped a phrase in my heart and then even gave me a tune for that phrase, that's never happened to me before, totally out of the box. And I just started singing it right there in front of God and the other hikers, right in the middle of Palm Springs. I just started singing, I am courageous. Give me that mouth. And what God did for me, I want, amen. Well, let's give God praise. God meets you in that moment and I left that mountain there was a fire on the inside of me you know something else funny happened while I was down there we were out to dinner at a couple different places and both times uh, there, we met some people uh, strangers you know we get talking to them and both times they asked me are you retired <laughs> I thought to myself how old do I look But when I was climbing the mountain that day, it was God saying to me, Ken, you're not finished. You're just getting started. There's a new hill for you to climb. Give me that mountain. Amen. <laughs> Give me that mountain. So here's something else crazy that came out of it. You know, I came down the hill with that song in my heart. And this week, I handed it off, the idea and the tune to Pastor Vaughn. 
And with the incredible gift that God's given to him, he took that phrase, turned it into a song. And as he comes to sing, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, everybody. And I invite you to own that declaration, just like I did on that mountain. Give me this mountain. I am courageous. Pastor Ken, if I may, I just want to give thanks to you for leading our church so bravely. Um, We are blessed here at Cathedral of Faith. Amen. And, you know, I just wanted to to set set this in a right space is that, you know, Pastor Ken is entering into new territory for himself. And that's not an easy thing to do. It takes courage to do that. And the point that you've been saying that is cathedral this is more this isn't pastor ken trying to sell cds or something (laughs) he's giving us language for that's the power of the song is that he's giving us a collective language and a a theology of moving forward and so i just want to invite us all in to to follow the lead of our pastor and to be courageous in this season amen 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 So I'll just say, how about I sing it through one time and then you, uh, we'll circle back and then you kind of join in with us, okay? So it just goes, I am courageous, you make me courageous, you call me out, you make me brave, and I stand before giants and in the name of Jesus. Make me victorious. No, I won't be afraid. In you, I won't be afraid. We sing that together. Say, Say, I am courageous. You make me courageous. You call me out. You make me brave as I stand before giants and in. beautiful. Let's sing it one more time. Go on. Say, I am courageous. You make me courageous. As you call me out, you make me brave. As I stand before giants and in the name of Jesus, you make me victorious. afraid no oh yes I want you to hear what the spirit is saying to us my future is calling my fears are falling and the spirit is rolling you can't give up now you can't give up now my future is calling and 
my fears are all falling and the spirit is roaring is roaring that you can't give up now you that's it come on my future time can we boy let it roar from you this time Hallelujah. let's say on the count of three let's say give me that mountain but let it be more than a let it be a roar in your spirit everybody one two three give me that again give me that mountain amen and amen and amen thank you God for how you're at work hallelujah Amen.